So this talk continues the story, the two stories. A story of the wise guys traveling from east to west across shifting seas of sand, and me traveling east to west over watery waves, both trying not to worry, trying to let go of our anxieties, to balance and to accept the unpredictable movement of the force beneath us, taking us ever westward. Them, traders traveling west to sell their wares, maybe expensive silks and jewels, maybe buying things there like wool and olive oil to return eastwards again. They traveled this silk road in large groups, probably whole families on many camels, and maybe the wise guys were hired to guide them. There's a sculpture on the wall of a French cathedral that shows the story starting with the wise guys having a dream. Crispin, can you just move the iPad on one? Thanks. You've probably seen it. I think it's been used in this church before. Just swipe it left. Yeah. Um, an angel is waking up the wise guys, waking them up and to get them to follow a star. They're having a dream. A dream can be a pretty good place to start and sometimes we really do need waking up to doing something different. Dreaming is our unconscious mind at work when we are resting. Freud called sleeping the undressing of the mind. As they were following the stars, maybe they were traveling specifically in the cool of the night, setting off as the sun set ahead of them each evening and with the moon rising behind them. One of the fantastic things on my sailing trip almost directly east to west, just north of the equator, was the dawn rising at the end of a long dark night. The feeling of the sun on my back as it rose behind the boat, then later watching it setting, dipping ahead of us, and as the, the moon rose behind, trying to chase it down. The amazing sense of being on this little planet, spinning on its axis, in a huge cosmos full of millions of stars. I can truly say that in the quiet and dark nights, with the sense of the importance and the awe expressed in that Peter Ackroyd reading, the sight of the stars were to me not just the sign of God's existence, but his very real presence around me. Now maybe the camel train traveled at night precisely so they could find their way by the stars. And maybe they also felt safer from the dangers of thieves as they were carrying expensive cargo. Their journey would have been dangerous with many troubles to overcome. I too had a few dangers and troubles on my sailing trip and usually at night. In the middle of an ocean, you're completely alone. Thousands of miles from any land, no boat in sight for days on end, maybe weeks. The sea five miles deep beneath, and the weather sometimes got bad, usually at night, in the dark. A squall can be a sudden and unexpected, and a gale can be scary out at sea, and they can both cause damage to a boat. We all face stormy passages in our lives. That's sometimes how we describe life, when it feels dark and scary. 
What I realized on my journey was that this amazing thing that happened after every dark night, every stormy night, the morning came. Every single day, of course, the sun come up, comes up again, and the effect of the wind and the high seas could be assessed, torn sails sewn, and damage mended. On our life's journey, during a stormy passage, we pray with hope and expectation for the bright dawn to arrive. Now, of course, we had satellite navigation systems, but even so, I would still use the, the real stars to help steer the boat. It was so much better than trying to stare with tired eyes at little red numbers and trying to remember what they meant and whether they're going in one direction, should you turn left or right. Much easier just to look at a star, fix it next to the rigging, and keep it constant. Then you were going in a straight line. Navigating by the stars was begun by the Chinese several thousand years before Jesus was born and developed especially in the Middle East using instruments to measure angles so as to be more accurate. A lot of our stars have Arabic names for that reason. It made me wonder what are the stars that we are guided by in our lives. When we are children, it's probably our parents. Then maybe as we get older, people who we really trust and listen to. For some people, it'll be ideas or faith in ideologies. Who is your star? Always there for you, guiding you. For many, the one reliable star is Jesus. Someone who guides us if we choose to follow him. Someone who guides us with the help of other people, also journeying towards him. Crispin, could, could you just flip forward one? Thanks. So this is a, going back to the navigation, this is a picture of a friend of mine on the boat looking through a sextant, a navigational instrument. It has a telescope and mirrors, solar shades, and measuring angle. But the thing about navigating by the stars is that you have to measure the star's position relative to other things. So you have to measure the angles from the star you're looking at to the horizon and to other stars too. Just staring at one star does you no good at all. The journey of faith is no different. We need the perspective of following Jesus that comes in relation to the rest of our lives and to the world around us. Some people are only about Jesus and they might be, as the saying goes, so heavenly minded that they're no earthly use. You may know the old chorus, turn your eyes on Jesus, and I would add, but be sure to look at the horizon ahead of you too. So like those wise travelers on my journey, I traveled thousands of miles. For me, it was over constantly swirling seas and sometimes mountainous waves, pitching and yawing, repairing and mending the damage, gently guiding my little boat ever westwards. But on both journeys, we travelers had to surrender to the inevitable motion beneath us in order to move towards our destinations, balanced and accepting. Both with heads up, eyes fixed heavenwards, to be guided by the stars above. Both with the sun rising behind and setting in front of us. Me certainly acutely aware of being the tiniest speck on a tiny speck of a planet 
spinning within the, within the enormity of God's presence, the unimaginable universe, the holy cosmos. Now the wise guys have guarded their gifts and arrived in Jerusalem, near to their destination. But strangely, they had to ask for directions. And the satnav that told them to go to Bethlehem was called King Herod, the man who beheaded Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, and who wanted to kill Jesus. Sometimes God's guidance comes from the most unlikely of places. Then when they found the child, the story is somewhat short on detail, but we know their reaction to this encounter was simply to bow down, worship, and present their gifts. I wondered as I traveled westwards what gifts I was carrying on my life journey. And whilst I regularly come to church and worship Jesus, what gifts do I actually bring with me? We all know that we maybe have some skills or specific things that we are good at that God has given to us as gifts to carry along our journeys. Great gifts that God has given us. But maybe our true and essential gift is actually just ourselves. The person we are and what makes us the person we are. Our character, if you like, but more than that, our soul, our very being, our spirit, our God-given spirit. The Bible has a word for, a, for the God-given spirit, the Holy Spirit, given to each of us, to be part of each of us, to make us what we are, but crucially enabling us to offer ourselves back to God. The gifts of the travelers were costly. The gold was certainly costly to themselves, an expression of sacrifice being made. I think the incense to be burned was a symbol and a demonstration of all our human senses. The sound of the gentle cracking of the burn, crackling of the burning, the pungent smell and the sight of the thick smoke rising ever upwards. And the myrrh, a homage to life itself, the celebration of our journey from cradle to grave, for Jesus from crib to cross. So as we travel our own journeys, giving ourselves up to the movement, passing through sunshine and cloud, light and dark, we must look ahead and look up to be guided by his star. And as we encounter Jesus along the way, and as we bow down and worship him, we seek a destination where we can present our gifts to him. We can give our whole selves, our souls, our spirits, our very being. One of the ways that we can give ourselves to Jesus is by giving ourselves to others, by sharing the people we are with those around us. Jesus said, inasmuch as you did it for one of these brothers and sisters of ours, you did it for me. One last thought. After they'd bowed down to Jesus and given him their gifts, the travelers left to go home. But they had another dream, and the dream told them to go home by a different route. They went home by another way. After an encounter with God, Maybe we too will be prompted to find another way, to think again, and maybe to change course. In the giving of ourselves, our being, 
we open up the dreamlike possibility of our becoming. If we let go of, of what we are, we can become what we might be. We can go home to ourselves.